0: And so if you'd turn now with me uh, in your Bible to the third chapter here of the book of Colossians. We'll pick up in verse 15, read down to verse 19. And now a three-part mini-series on righteous relationships. And the Apostle Paul begins first with the single smallest unit of civil government created by God. No mistake that we're here. Because it is the family that is the smallest unit of human interaction. In other words, if you take one family and you add to it another family and a few more families, you'll eventually get a village and then maybe a small town and then a larger community and perhaps a city and then maybe a state, finally a nation and then our world. And so when we look at the family, it is the family that is the heart of human government. And if we can't get the family right, there is no hope for our nation. And I believe that actually is the problem that we face. It is the breakdown of the human family, of our families, of the church family. Because when we lose sight of who God is, we will never have the right view of who our brothers and sisters are. If we don't have him first, and let me be very specific before we dig in here. You are first, as Christians, exactly that, a Christian. You're not a husband, you're not a wife first. You're not a father, you're not a son first. You are not a mom, you're not a dad first. You are not a citizen of any nation. You are not a nationality first. You are a believer in Christ first and foremost. Amen? (laughs) Everything else as far as God's word declares. Now again, I'm speaking to Christians. Every other relationship, 100% of them, are beneath the fact that you are a Christian. So you're a Christian husband. You're a Christian wife, you're a Christian son, a Christian daughter, you're a Christian neighbor, you're a Christian citizen, you're a Christian who happens to be of one nationality versus another, one race versus another, but you are a believer in Christ first. If we get that right, then here's what happens. You take all of those things that you are as a Christian and you apply them to every single human relationship you have. So I apply the fruit of the Spirit to my brothers and sisters and to my wife and to my own children and to my neighbor who lives across the street and to everyone in my community. I apply the love of God. Which scripture says constrains me to be Christ-like to everyone. And it thereby transforms my world. And so I pray that the Lord would speak to us through the power of his word. And we're going to pray now for him to do that very thing. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we have again gathered as your people. Lord, not as just simply a congregation, but literally as your children. We've come into your living room, and we want to sit down, and we would ask that you would speak to us. Correct us where we need. Lord, instruct us where we need. Encourage us where we need. God, would you work in us to will and to do your good pleasure as we study your word. We thank you for it. Pray that you would now bless us with your Spirit's work in our lives as we listen and hear. We ask it in Jesus' name. And God's people all said, amen. Amen. Verse 15 here in Colossians 3. And notice how it begins. You see, we've gone through the put-ons and the put-offs, right? We've taken out the trash and we've gotten red carpet ready, amen? Where do you think it's going to get tested first? If you've actually put off the old and put on the new, the first place it's all going to get tested is right in your own home, amen? So this is not a mistake, this is the Holy Spirit saying, okay, I know what's coming next, so I'm going to teach them what's coming next. We're going to get three principles here as we begin that should guide us in all of our relationships. So these first three things we can apply in marriage, we can apply in as parents, and we can apply in our workplace, taking care of where we spend almost all of our time. Amen? So as a human being... You you spend most of your time either in your married life in a general sense. I realize there are single people here, so take no offense at this. We're simply speaking from the category that the Holy Spirit would say a vast majority of us is going to be married at some point in time. And so we use that, but it applies to singleness as well. And so the Holy Spirit speaking to us gives us three things, the first of which is the peace of God or the peace of Christ. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called into, see that, one body. You are first a believer in Jesus Christ. You're not first a husband. You're not first a wife. You have been called into as a believer, as a Christian couple, as someone who is married to another believer. You've been called into the body of Christ, which is even a larger calling than your calling as a husband or wife. And so it becomes the preeminent relationship. We've been called into that one body and we're to be thankful for it. You see, when I begin to look at my wonderful bride of 40 years as my sister in Christ, and I realize in my own life that I desperately need the grace of God, don't you think I'm going to give her the grace of God as well? As I see my beautiful bride as my sister in Christ, not just my wife, and I desperately need the mercy of God, don't you think I'm going to be merciful? If I see my wonderful wife, Connie, as my sister in Christ, and I desperately need forgiveness, don't you think that I will also be forgiving? You see, when I put Christ first... All of the rest of my human relationships, beginning at home, become transformed by the fact that we are recipients of the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, self-control, about which there is no law. You see, when I put Christ first, everyone else gets the type of treatment they're supposed to have. And so I must have in that sense what the apostle is saying here. The result of me doing that is I have peace with God that gives me peace with people. When I can say, look, my, my life is right with the Lord right now. I said what I said and God would be pleased with it. And it honors his word. We're going to see three things here. You see, when I have peace with God, then I can say what I need to say to someone else with that same peace. I can talk to my bride with the peace of God. But if I'm not at peace with God first, then I will have conflict with everyone else. That's why your personal relationship with Jesus Christ is so important, because every other human relationship flows forth from your own personal relationship with God. And if your personal relationship with God is a mess, so will all of the rest of your relationships, at least in some way, shape, or form, be affected in the negative. So he says, look, let the peace of God rule, and the word rule there, as we've highlighted before, is the same word as referee or umpire or judge. In other words, one of the ways that we can understand if we're okay with God and thereby okay in how we're dealing with our spouse or with our children or with our neighbor is that God's peace reigns in my heart. And so here's what happens. I say a couple of words, I turn to the peace of God, and the peace of God says, strike, Right down the middle. Or I turn to the Word of God and I turn to the peace of God. That was a ball. You see, we look at the peace of God in a way to tell us whether those things that we are now engaged in and speaking are of the Lord or not of the Lord. I have peace with him first. In other words, I could look at, Lord, was that good? And Jesus is going, you nailed it. Not, you're out. The peace of God does that. When I don't have peace with God, and you all know exactly what I'm saying, you know when the Holy Spirit has said, you know what, you should not have said that that way. You should not have acted that way. You should not have done those things. And because of that, Jeff, you're not okay with me. And because you're not okay with me, there is a fracture with your bride. You need to ask me for forgiveness, and then you need to go tell her that you were wrong. You see, the peace that is vertical then gets restored horizontally. But I want God's peace to govern what it is that I say and do. You see, if we don't do that, it's very tough to be thankful. Because it will all rest with you. All of a sudden, you'll be calling the balls and strikes. You know what we do for our own team, right? Oh yeah, that was in there. Oh, yeah, sure, it, it hit the line. It, it, it's fair. You see, when we call our own balls and strikes, we call our own balls whether they're in or not in, of course we do it prejudiced to our own advantage. God saying, no, you let me call that with my peace. And when you don't have my peace, you need to find out why. A second thing, notice verse 16. Let the word of Christ, or the word of the Lord, or let the Bible, is another way to look at it, dwell in you richly. Now that word dwell means to abide, it means to set up home. It doesn't just mean that you kind of take a passing glance at it, it means that you grab the word of God and you so rest in the word of God that you are at home in the midst of the word of God. And the word of God is at home in the midst of you. Did it symbiotic. It goes both ways. You put yourself in the Word and the Word is in you and it's alive. You're resting in the Word, in other words. Dwell in it richly in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And so the second focus is the Word of God. So now put these two things together. You have the peace of God that's calling whether the play is actually in or not in. And now you have the word of God as the manual. You've got something you don't understand. Why is it that that should be that way? And you turn to the word of God and the word of God says, well, Jeff, it's because you were angry. It wasn't that you were wrong. You said it in an angry way. And so the Word of God being in you richly as you deal with your relationships on this earth take you from being right to being righteous. Do you know the difference? You see, I can be completely right and still not be okay with God and thereby not have the peace of God. When you put the peace of God with the word of God and that word is dwelling in you richly and it becomes the song of your heart and it becomes who you are and every time you think of something you think, man, what does the word say about this situation? How would I live out the word in such a way that when I communicate to my wife or I communicate to my children or I communicate to my neighbor that I am at peace with God and what I say can be backed up with the word of God? You see, these are principles that should apply in every area of our lives. And the Word of God always magnifies the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? You're, you're not going to have a part of the Bible, well, let's skip that part, because it doesn't, it doesn't magnify the Lord. Of course it will magnify the Lord. It's His Word. And so we live out the Word that way. So I have the peace of God, I have the Word of God, the third thing. And notice this, see it please with me. And whatever you do, now here we go. This is going to dig in deep. This is going to get you right where it hurts. You see, it's one thing to have the peace of God. You and God are squared up. It's another thing for you to understand what the Word of God actually says. But, ouch, you mean I actually have to do it? I've actually got to say it? Notice what it says. Don't miss this. Whatever you do in word, that would be your lips. Or indeed, that would be all of the rest of you. So whether you're saying it or doing it, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And oh, by the way, give thanks to God the Father through Him that you could say that or do that. You rotten stinking, thank you, Jesus. You evil, slimy, I cannot believe that you would all oh, praise your Lord. You get it? You see, if you can't follow what you say and what you do with thank you, Lord. If you can't follow what you say and what you do with praise the Lord then you need to redo it. You need to do a do-over. You need to say, God, how do I rephrase that statement so that I can say at the end of it, thank you, Lord. So that I can say after I'm done doing it, praise you, Jesus. Do you realize how transformative that is in everything that you will say and do? Can you imagine If every believer spoke to every non-believer that way, I don't want to say a thing that I can't follow with. Thank the Lord for how I just said that. Thank the Lord for how I just did that. Thank the Lord for how I live my life. And Lord, oh, by the way, I pray you were glorified in the very words that I spoke and the deeds that I undertook. Three principles. The peace of God the word of God, and to honor God. Those three things. And so as you think of that peace, if you want assurance, look to peace. When you lose that peace, you're going to lose your assurance. You will not know if it was the Lord or not. That's why God stirs up your peace. That's why he gives you those little twinges of, man, that's not what I would have said. That's not what I would have done. That's why you don't feel right with God. God's saying, look, you need to rephrase what you just said. That was not my love that was being poured out there. That was you, Jeff. So when you look at it that way, now all of a sudden, everything you do, oh, Lord, I want your peace. Oh, Lord, I want to magnify your word. Would your word be visible in what I'm about to say, and how I say it, what I do, how I act it out. And then he goes on to begin to apply these three principles. And he begins with marriage, verse 18. You you see the the power of the word as it comes to us, and and that glory to God, those grace garments. Now we've got to find some place to put it to practice. And here's the beauty of this. If you want your marriage to be all that it's supposed to be, if you look for the peace of God and the word of God and every word and every deed to glorify God, you're going to be so far ahead of most of the world it will be staggering. Amen? Think about it. Think of those three things alone applied to your marriage and what they would do. So when you think about saying something that's kind of selfish, are you going to say it? No, you're not. Not if you look to the peace of God. Not if you look to glorify the Lord. Not if you look to in your words and deeds be Christ honoring. You're not going to look at yourself first because the word of God tells you you need to be other centered. You see how it works? It transforms every aspect of your life beginning with your married life. And so he's going to take three groups of people now and apply these things and we'll look at uh, wives and husbands, husbands and wives, and let me just say this, the reason that he begins with wives is not because they're the weaker vessel or they can't quite handle, you know, you gotta, it's not that at all. And I would remind you, that when Paul spoke to the church at Ephesus, he spent twice as much time talking to the men as he did to the women. That's because we're hard-headed. Sometimes we don't listen so well. I'm going to give equal opportunity for everyone to hear from the Lord here. But notice how he begins. He says, husbands, wives. And as he does so, he gives us some principles. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now apply those three things. Wives, Submit Now remember that we have been called, Ephesians chapter 5 reminds us that we are to both be submitted first, where? To the Lord. So this is not in a vacuum that this teaching comes forth to us. It is in understanding exactly how I began this message this morning. And that is, first and foremost, you are a child of God. So your husband or your wife is first the bride of Christ. They're first your brother or your sister. So everything you do flows forth from there. They're not that dude you've lived with for 10 years. They're not your old lady. They are the bride of Christ. And precious in the sight of the Lord Jesus Himself, so much so, so, so much so that He died for each of us. So, I don't know about you, but if the most powerful person in the universe had someone else as their bride and you were talking to them, you might want to watch what you say. You might want to think about how you phrase things. You might want to actually consider how you do things, and you might want to make sure that you put him first, because you're going to answer to him one day for every word and every deed. In everything. Glorify wives, submit to your own husbands as a fitting the Lord. And husbands, Agapeo. Love without condition sacrificially. It reads a little differently when you realize that word, doesn't it? Husbands, agapeo. Love your wife with agape love. Not just phaleo, friendship. Not just with eros, romantic love. But you love your wife sacrificially, Jeff, like I loved you and died on Calvary's cross to prove it. Uh oh little different, isn't it, when you think of it that way? Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. A very simple guideline here. And as you think on these things, look, the breakdown of the family, I believe, is what is destroying our nation. I think that the heart of all of our social problems is problem homes. It's moms not loving dads and dads not loving moms and it's the parents not loving the kids and nobody staying together. And the social statistics bear that out absolutely and categorically. The last Pew Research poll that I saw, we now have 53% of all marriages end in divorce. 53%. So more than half end in divorce we now have more unmarried couples cohabitating together than we have married couples in marriage. A vast majority of homes are parented by either unmarried people or single-parent families. It is the breakdown of the family that's in view, and yet God established in his word that the family unit is the single smallest piece of society. And yet we don't honor what he has said about marriage. And so we become selfish. We become self-centered. And so we're going to get a little bit of talking to from the Lord here in our final few minutes. And so what does he say? He says, look, you need to arrange yourself under the structure that I have given you. And so he says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Now can I tell you, husband, that does not give you the right ever to speak rudely obnoxiously, horribly, abusively, or do anything that would lead them to believe that. That doesn't mean that your wife is your servant. It actually means that you are her servant, according to the Word of God. That's what it says. Amen? It says that you have been given the tough job of being Jesus in your home. So let's stop this idiocy That says that you, as a husband, can do anything you want because you are the king of your castle. No, you are a subservient, sacrificial leader who is supposed to be exactly like Jesus to your wife. And the way that we understand that is Christ died for us. That's how I'm supposed to show my wife love, that's how I'm supposed to show her leadership. Honey, whatever it takes, including me dying, if necessary, for you. That's the way it works. Now, I'll give you a little secret. If you lead like that, your wife is going to respect you like you cannot believe. And when you speak, she's going to go, man, Jesus is speaking to me. Because you act like Jesus, and you talk like Jesus, and you walk like Jesus, and you are Jesus at home. Jesus is not going to abuse. Jesus is not going to speak rudely. You know how I know that? Remember the three principles. What does God's word say? Is there any reason for anybody ever to dwell in an angry state? No, not if you're a believer. Are you supposed to speak hatefully? No, not if you're a believer. Are you supposed to abuse anyone? No, not if you're a believer. Are you supposed to ever harm your spouse? No, not if you're a believer. You see, all those things get answered. So you don't have to wander around and go, well, you know, I really think I should slap her. (laughs) You know, I'm just going to go home and scream at her in the name of Jesus. You're going to have your questions answered by the Lord. And then on top of that, you're going to have peace or lack of peace. Your relationship's going to get transformed. You seek to be well-pleasing to the Lord and then you handle your earthly relationships being well-pleasing to the Lord, those relationships will be as good as they can possibly be while you're still here in these bodies of flesh. And so he says to us as husbands, look, Headship is not heartache. Amen? It's sacrificial, self-sacrificial leadership that puts the spouse first. Both directions, by the way. It goes the same for you ladies. Your husbands are working as hard as they can. They may fail at being like Jesus. But you, in turn, are supposed to respect and be like Jesus right back to them. It's mutual respect. It's mutual submission. Now well, let me give you a little secret to this word submit, and it's an easy thing to understand. It is often misinterpreted, and it is often actually taught wrongly, I believe, in church. It does not give me the final authority on absolutely everything just simply because I want to have the final authority. It gives me the final authority when the final authority is absolutely necessary and someone has to make the final decision. That's what submission means. In other words, at the end of the day, if you have two people and you got two ideas, you can only do one thing. Amen? And here's what happens. God looks at me as the husband and says, Jeff, you better not mess this up because I'm going to hold you accountable. And so if I have to make a decision that is not sin, that does not cause my bride to stumble, and that is not outside of God's will, And there is two ideas, then ultimately, because there needs to be rank and there needs to be order, just as Jesus submitted to Father God, so the wife is supposed to submit to the husband. Now let me add this to it. And it's what Scripture says. How many Holy Spirits are there? One. How many bodies are there? One. If we're all in the one body, and we are all spoken to by the same Holy Spirit... How many times do you think the Holy Spirit's going to tell the husband one thing and the wife the other? Oh, novel idea. Never is the answer to that. Right? So if you're both seeking to put Jesus first, you're both seeking to have the Holy Spirit speak into your life, you're both in prayer, and you both want to live sacrificially, guess what's going to happen? Christ is going to be honored and Christ is going to be glorified, and then if there needs to be a decision made by somebody, and the husband says, "Honey, we're just in dis- I'm not sure I don't know, but somebody needs to make this decision, I'm going to stand before God one day for the decision I'm going to make, but I'm so convinced that the Holy Spirit has spoken to me, then you ladies are completely off the hook with God. Now, I don't know how many of you would like to be off the hook with God for any decision, but I would. So every once in a while, Connie, I'll be talking about something. I go, you know what, honey, I think you're right. And she'll usually say, no, let's go with your idea. You see, you start out loving each other. It's like, oh, I'm going to prefer, no, I want to prefer you. When two people are trying to out-love each other, you know that's a pretty good thing? When you're trying to out-prefer each other. Like, I, I, no, I, 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 wanna, I so want to be right with the Lord. Look, there's just not going to be all this crazy division that people seem to think comes from this silly word, submit. What it simply means is, if you want God's best, then give him yours. Amen? You submit yourself to the Lord. <laughs> Husband's not going to take advantage of the, of the wife. The wife is not going to try and, you know, manipulate the husband. You're both going to want to please Jesus. And if you do that, you're both after the same thing. You know what's miraculously likely to happen? You're probably going to hear the same thing from the Holy Spirit. And then he's going to give you a plan to get it done. Now look, we're not perfect people, Amen. We will make mistakes, amen? And in that case, where do we rest? On the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, the goodness of God, the wonder of God. We rest in the Lord so that he's glorified. I don't take out my flesh. I I love Connie. I give her that agape. I'm grateful. At the end of the day, my best friend is my wife. My wife is also my lover. But more importantly, she's the one that I would die for. You live like that, you're going to find out most people actually like you. They're, they're, they want to be around people like that. And so he says, love your wife, men. Women, respect your husband." Submit to him, as is fitting to the Lord. Notice the condition. So when your husband comes up with some lame idea that he wants to buy an island off of Bermuda, that's not what this is talking about. Saying, to that godly leadership that prefers you, that gives the honor and the glory to the Lord, that is praiseworthy, that can be spoken of in heavenly terms, then respect. We live like this, your marriage is going to be good. Perfect? Nah, you're still sinners. So am I. So are Connie and I. I Tom Mouch, who teaches at the Bible College, I think he and his bride have been married almost, they're going on 70 years. And he will always say to the younger couples, he says, Yeah, you know, we've been together for, and he'll say like 67 years, you know, we're pretty sure it's going to work. It's all these places that you can work on, right? But if you seek to be well-pleasing to the Lord, you have his blessing and his help. And his glory will be used in your relationship. And hopefully it'll honor him. Amen? Let's pray. (laughs) Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. Oh, Lord, these things without you would be impossible for sure. But because you, Jesus, made it all possible when you gave your life in our place, Lord, you modeled this for us. And so we who are husbands here today ask you to give us just amazing grace like you've given us, and unbelievable mercy and forgiveness and tenderness and gentleness. Help us to live sacrificial lives towards our wives. And Lord, for all the wives that are here, Lord, it's, it's a tough thing, it's a difficult thing to try and uh, live out that witness, Lord, to be just like you, Jesus. And so pray that you'd give grace to our wives to help to know how to encourage and strengthen and build up. And Lord, when there is something that's a disagreement, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak into each situation. And we, as husbands and wives, submit ourselves to your wonderful care knowing that you have a perfect plan and purpose and a word for us in those moments. And so we pray that every marriage would be filled with your voice spoken into reality in our homes. We love you. We thank you for watching over us. We thank you for blessing us. Strengthen our marriages. We ask these things in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. Amen.